of you that know, we are going through the life of Elisha. We only have two lessons left. It's hard to believe that uh, this is coming down to the end. Actually, in this lesson, uh, well, I won't give you the, the end result yet. So uh, this is Elisha basically on his deathbed. And uh, 2 Kings chapter number 13, if you have your Bible, uh, 2 Kings chapter number 13, <coughs> you will find in this text that the king is Jehoiaz, and Jehoiaz became king after uh, Jehu, and then uh, Jehu, Jehoiaz, and then Joash. If you remember back in chapter number nine, is uh, Jehu became king of Israel. Now, you from chapter number nine to chapter number 13 is where we are going to get to go. Uh, this is the next event that happens in Elisha's life, but about approximately, we believe, uh, about 50 years has passed from chapter number 9 to chapter number 13. Now, what, now, and again, Elisha was a prophet during these kings, Ahab, Ahazi, Jehoram, Jehu, Jehoiaz, and Joash. They believe, uh, I mean, the scholars believe that I read after, believe that Elisha could have been anywhere between the age of 80 to the age of 100 at this time of his life. The other thing is to take in note as well. It's hard to know exactly how old Elisha was because they don't know exactly how old Elisha was when he started. But we know and also don't know exactly what time he came in when Ahab was king and also when, when he died. It doesn't give the exact year or date that he died. But we know that he could have been anywhere from the age of 80 to 100 years old. He was on his deathbed. This is what is taking place. The king, Joash, became king. And uh, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, is what the Bible says. And so he comes, uh, and this is amazing to me, that he comes before the king uh, to visit the, I mean, to visit the prophet, I'm sorry, now, a lot of times in our text, when we've read and we've, and we've done the study, who is going to who? The prophet is going to the king. And at this time of his life, the king comes to the prophet. And uh, basically, all this has taken place because he knows that Elisha's fixing to die. He knows that he's sick. He knows that he's going to die. And he needs to talk to the prophet before he does. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a, a moment of respect, a moment of, of honor that the king in which who did not live a godly life would come and, number one, respect. He came to re give his respect to the prophet. So look in verse number one, if you will. We're just going to read one verse and then we'll go, then we'll jump forward, okay? In three and... The in the three and I'm sorry, that's not where we're at. Let's jump down. Goodness gracious! Look, I don't have my notes with me. Um, what verse? Did, what verse are we? Thirteen, right? Thirteen. I'm sorry. Thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, <clears throat> and Joash slept with his fathers, and Jehoram set upon his throne, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Verse number 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept 
over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. There's a couple things to be noted here. One, you will notice that the king came himself. Could the king have sent his own servant? How many times, how many times would you have seen this take place and the servant would have been sent to go see somebody? But the king thought it the, of, of the utmost importance that he himself would go see Elisha. Not his servant, not his, not his right-hand man. He himself would go see the king. I mean, think about this for just a moment. Uh, what, what a great time of, of event that took place in this, in this country is that he came, the coming of the king. He came to him and he said, look, 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 uh, you are the prophet of Israel. You are the prophet of, uh, of this country. We, I, I'm coming to you basically, basically for advice. What am I going to do? What, what's going to happen? You're fixing to die. Bible says in this, in this text that he, was, uh, he had fallen sick. He had gotten sick. And that, him being sick ended up killing Elisha. That sickness did. And, he, and, he, and, the, and, the, and the king, Joash, he knew that that was getting ready to take place. So he came to him. Not only do we see that he came to him, but also we see that he cried. Look in that verse. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down and wept over his face. What did he do? He cried. Now, there were tears being shed over the prophet. Think about that for just a moment. He's not necessarily... Joash was not a guy who necessarily followed after the Lord. There were times in his life where he did, but ultimately he wasn't like a... Uh, he, the, the scripture doesn't say he did right in the sight of the Lord. It says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But here he is sitting at the bedside of a preacher, sitting at the bedside of the prophet and crying because he's dying. Think about the respect. Think about the honor that he gave to that prophet, that preacher. Uh, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, you say, well, the scripture doesn't write for 50 years-ish of Elisha's life, so Elisha didn't do anything for the Lord. I think that's completely false. Elisha would have done something for the Lord. You say, why do you say that? Because Joash wouldn't be sitting at his bedside crying if he had just done nothing for the Lord. You know, because when, when he was, when he was uh, uh, preaching under Jehu, uh, Joash probably wasn't even alive. And so, so this is years later. This is 50 years later. Here he is. He has been preaching the gospel, still preaching the same thing he was 50 years ago, still being what he was 50 years ago. And the king is sitting at his bedside weeping because of the honor and the respect for that man. You will see this as well, is that in the scripture, the Bible says that when Jezebel died, no one even came. No one even came to Jezebel's side when she died. There were wicked king and wicked men. They rejoice, almost rejoice that the wicked have been fallen. But here it is, the honor, the, when the righteous have fallen. Look, it's okay to mourn and weep when a righteous man has fallen. Guys, that's something to weep over. When the wicked have been taken away, we're like, thank God he's gone. I mean, the day Hitler died, don't you think they threw a party? Oh, man. They want to kill him before he's, while he's alive. I mean, 
Literally. When the wicked man dies, it's rejoicing. But when the righteous man dies, there's mourning. We're losing great men. Look, in, <coughs> and since we've been here in Texas, there's been two men that I knew um, that were preachers of the gospel, people that had mentored me, had a huge influence on my life. One was 45, 46, and he died of pancreatic cancer. And uh, it hurt, and I cried. Uh, he had a huge influence on my life. Um, his name was Joe Tar, And uh, a, a huge influence on my life, but it affected me. I mourned. Then it wasn't uh, three months ago, there was another man that died. Um, he was 65, 66. He was a traveling evangelist. He was one of my professors in Bible college. And uh, he was working on a roof, and uh, he fell off the roof, and, uh, and he died. I don't know all the details there, but he died. I mean, it's just, you know, and you mourn the loss of those that are righteous. It's a sad day when a righteous man dies, because this world will miss it. And it's okay to mourn the loss of the righteous man. And this is what was taking place. They were mourning the loss. He was, going to, he was mourning the, what was going to be the loss of a righteous man. So we see the crying, we see the coming, he's shedding tears. <clears throat> then, you'll, then you'll see in this text, that this set of scripture, that there's only, these are the only comments the king makes. Now, the scripture only records these comments, but not that he didn't say anything else. But what does he say? He said, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. I don't know if you remember, you go back to Elijah and Elisha when that was taking place. Do you know what they, you know what they called him? The chariot of Israel. Now, what is, the, what is a chariot a symbol of and that, that horseman a symbol of? And this time it was a symbol of like a warrior. He was a warrior. And he wasn't necessarily a warrior for, for his, the army. He didn't necessarily lead the pack. But do you know what he was a warrior for? God. And, and this king, Joash, he, hey, the warrior, the chariot of Israel. Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel. He was honoring him by saying, this man. Do you know what? We need more gospel preachers in America. That's, this is what he was saying. Hey, look, look, I may not always do right. I may not, not always be right, but I'm thankful that you're still preaching the truth. That's what he was saying. Thank you. Thank you for preaching it till the day you died. Thank you. Chariot of Israel. That's what he was saying. All right. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any comments they want to make nope. before we move on? Okay. Anybody's welcome to. I don't care. You have a question about the text? No? Nope. You know, about Elijah, like, you know, whenever, whenever the Lord, <coughs> then the Lord sent the fire chariot to pick him up? Yes, sir. Yeah. A fiery chariot. That's right. That's right. And and then it comes back and says that he's the chariot of the horseman, right? Yeah. That's interesting that it would say that. 
and God would take him in a fiery chariot. It's pretty interesting. Do you think that God does things on purpose? The way that he does them? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's read uh, the next verse, verse number 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. Now, you say, what's the point of this? Now, Elisha is getting ready to reward him for what's taking place. He's going to give him a revelation, basically, of what's going to take place in the future. Okay? So he says, get a bow, get an arrow. And verse number 16, and he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon his upon the king's hands, and he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it, and Elisha said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, till thou have consumed them. Now, I want you to imagine Go with me for just a moment. Here's this young king. Here's this king. He comes to Elisha. He's bawling. He says, you're the chariot of Israel. And Elisha says, get your bow and get your arrow. Let me show you something. And the young man begins to get his bow and arrow. He said, well, let me show you how it's done. And Elisha puts his hand on top of Joash's hand. And he puts his hand on the other hand and he helps him Pull that arrow back. He said, open that window eastward towards Syria. All right, here we go. And he, and he shoots the arrow. And the arrow represented a lot of times in the, in the history uh, of that aspect, they would shoot arrows to signify they're going to war. They would signify that we're fixing to attack. And so Elisha has a hold of his hand and pulls it back, and they shoot the arrow off into the distance, off to east, off towards the direction of Syria, and he says, you will have victory in Apac. You're going to have victory. This is God saying to you, Joash, you will have victory. You will. Can you imagine sitting there with him like that? Come on. 80, 80 to 100-year-old man helping you shoot the arrow? Ma'am? That's dying, no less, right? That's, de- that's about to die. Let me shoot this arrow for you, son. But if I believe this, there are... <coughs> this is just personal opinion. I believe that he was signifying to him that God was going to help him by putting his hand on his hand and his hand on the arrow with his hand and saying, God with you, here it is. And God's mighty power, and that, and that is so important that we understand that too, that God's power is important. And without God's power, Joash wasn't going to go down the road, and he wasn't going to have, have the victory at Syria. And he, I mean, he wasn't going to have the victory in Apex. He wasn't going to have it. But with God's power and God's might and behind God's, God's word, he could have victory. He could have victory. It's important. And you, you say, what is, why is that so important? But one, 
They said that Apex was one of the most strategic, military strategic places to own, to have. And God said, you need that spot. And God's going to give it to him. What a reward. And I believe that the reward is for him coming to pay his respect. He may not always done right, but God was rewarding him for showing respect where respect was due. Did not Elisha deserve that respect? He did. And when he gave that respect, God rewarded him for that respect. All right. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any comments? You do? All right, go ahead. Well, you know, him shooting the the arrow out of towards the east. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a a significant uh, uh, thing because... God's power. Jesus will come back from the east. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get his bride. And the power. The power. Of the God. power of the Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, is that a coincidence there? No. No. It's not a coincidence. No. That's right. There are no coincidences in the Bible at all. Think about that for just a moment, Christian. Again the power that God was signifying to Joash is the same power that is available to you and I today. You say, well, I can't beat Satan. Well, I can't beat Satan. Well, you can beat Satan under the power of the Lord. Uh, We may not always have victory every day, okay, Christian? I'm not going to have victory every day. You say, you're not? I can have victory, but I, I may not always have victory every day. There are something that, that's going to come. And I'll, I'll mess up. I'll do something I shouldn't do. Guess what? I, I didn't have victory that day. I didn't have victory that moment. But with God's power and God's might, we can have victory every time. And this is what Joash, God was illustrating to Joash. You rely on my strength. You rely on me. I'll get you there. I'll take care of Aphex. I'll take care of the Syrians. Not only that, but I'll consume them. So God's idea was for Joash to conquer Syria was to get rid of them, was to, was to wipe them out, was to consume them. That's what God's idea was for him. Anybody else? Anybody, anybody have any questions? Okay. Let's read verse number 18. Okay. And so, and he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite them upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. Now, for, let's stop for just a moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not for sure that I would completely understand the statement that Elisha makes. Um, hey, throw your arrows on the ground. I don't know how many arrows he had in his, in his quiver, but I know that he had more than three. Elisha says, throw them arrows on the ground. Throw them on the ground. And so Joash says, okay, and he takes and he he smote thrice. You know what he did? He threw three arrows down. Why didn't he throw the whole batch down? Why didn't he take every arrow out of the quiver and throw it down on the ground? Elisha told him to throw throw the arrows on the ground. Look in verse, uh, take the arrows. How many arrows? Take the arrows, not one. But take the arrows. How many arrows you got in that quiver, sir? Take the arrows. 
I don't know how many he had in there, but look in verse number 19. And the man of God was wroth with him. The man of God was mad. The man of God was ticked off. The man of God was angry. That's what was taking place here. He got angry at Joash. <coughs> Listen to what he says. And thou shouldest have smitten five or six times that thou hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Do you know what he just told him? He said, if you would have taken all those arrows out of, your, out of your quiver and threw them all on the ground, you would have beat Syria six times or five times. But because you only threw it down three times, that's how many victories you're going to have over Syria. You're not going to have but three victories over Syria. And if you would have thrown them down five or six times, you would have been able to consume Syria, but you wouldn't throw them down. He was mad. He was upset. Elisha said, listen, you should have listened to God. You should have did what you were told. Throw your arrows on the ground. Hmm. Man, God was wroth. He was upset. Upset. <laughs> Why? He didn't listen. He didn't listen. He didn't believe him. Why? Why do you want me to throw these arrows on the ground? Little weirdo. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, seriously, right? You died, old man. Yeah, you're about to die. The next verse says he dies. <laughs> Elisha dies. Can you believe that? The last thing he does is he instructs him. So not only do we see the, the, uh, the respect, the reward, and lastly, what is that? The rebuke. Here's the rebuke. You're only going to win three times, bud. Only three. When you could have won five, or you could have won six, but you held on to the arrows. You wouldn't do it. You. Here's the analogy. Here's the thought. You win as many battles as you want to with God's help. And the battles you don't win are the battles you don't have help. Well, I could have, I wish I would have had help. Look, you had it. It was available. It was there. Well, he went down the road, and you'll see the prophecy came fulfilled. He, he only won three victories against Syria. Only three. The prophecy being fulfilled, but I'm going to tell you, the reason it happened was because he didn't rely on the, on the prophet's word or, or didn't rely on the, on the word of God uh, and to help him. You only win the victories if you rely on it. What would you say? Believe. believe it. Yeah. If you don't believe in your help, you can't have victory over it. And every victory, <clears throat> I, I like to use, I, I use sports as an analogy, but I, there were games that you would go into. If you come, went into the game expecting to lose, do you know what you would do? You would lose. If you were intimidated by the other team because of how big they were or how strong they looked or how, how many they had on their team, you would lose every time. But if you went into the game expecting to win and expecting to blow them out, expecting to do it, you had a better chance of winning. You, Christian, wake up every morning. What is yours? Oh, man, I, don't, I can't win that battle today. I've lost. You've already lost. You've already, it's over. You've lost it. Because it's right here. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness. 
hey, the battle is won with God. And the battle is lost without Him. There's never been a battle that you've fought, that you've lost, with God on your side. You say, what? I've lost battles without God? Yeah, that's right. The battles we've lost is because we didn't rely on the Lord for strength. You say, are you sure? I believe it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth who? Me. Me. Not you. Me. Me. Where's that strength come from? One place. No man, no woman, no person can ever give you the strength that you need to win the battle that you face. Other people can encourage you, but ultimately your strength's going to come from the Lord. Strength's going to come from the Lord. Let's read verse number 20. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. We have one more lesson about the life of Elisha, because Elisha's not done. But I want you to tell you that, one, I have enjoyed this study. Two, if you look at each and every story, each and everything that we've went over, there was never a time that the miracle didn't happen or the miracle happened that it wasn't because or it was as a result of the Lord. It wasn't Elisha. It wasn't, look, because we still serve that same God. Amen. And he still has that same power. Amen. Bible says, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. What does that mean? That means he's the same, as the scripture says, same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's the same. So the same God that gave Elisha the power to overcome those things that he overcame is the same God that can give us the power that we have in our daily life. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any thoughts? Brother Fred, he's the same God that saved my soul. Amen. He is. Same God that Elisha served. Same God that saved me. Same God that saved you. Same God. Exact same God. Amen. Amen. Do you not think for just a moment that he can't give you the power that he gave Elisha at that time? Well, that was a couple thousand. That was a couple thousand years ago. God's God still works like that. God may not work outwardly like that all the time, like He did with Elisha. Elisha raising people from the dead. Uh, uh, you've seen uh, water, uh, the the vessels being filled uh, with oil, and all the things that God did for Elisha. You may not see that outwardly, but God still is in the miracle working business. He still answers prayers, and he still wants to do that today. Anybody, any, hey, look, everybody in here is a result of a miracle. Every one of you here tonight is a result of a miracle. You say, yeah, me? Yes, you. Because long before you ever started coming to church, long before you ever got saved, long before that night that you bowed your head and accepted Christ as your personal Savior, somebody was praying for you. 
I don't know who it was. I don't know when it was. I don't know how it was. But somebody was praying for you. And you're a result of a miracle. And even you being here is a result of a miracle. Amen. All right, anybody else? Anybody have any thoughts? Any other questions? Okay. Well, if everyone else is done, I can be done too. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight.